Welcome back, everybody. My next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one. Jessica Alba, I am so proud to call her my friend. She's incredible talented humanitarian actress and entrepreneur founder of the honest company there's nothing that this woman can't do so when i asked if she would join us live today and she said yes it literally i was dancing in my chair so thank you so much jess uh for joining me on this exciting day and welcome to my book launch event congratulations becky this is so exciting oh my god i know uh what you know, how meticulous you are about everything you do. And so I can't even imagine how much time you've been thinking about every word that goes into this book and all the different edits and, you know, the labor of love that you put in all that you do uh, is in this book. And I'm just really, I'm so happy for you and so proud of you. You've um, accomplished so much uh, in your life and and you continue to raise the bar for everyone and also bring so many people along. Uh, I think what's so amazing is your journey as an entrepreneur and as a woman uh, doesn't feel like yours alone. And you've always brought others along with you and let other people participate in your journey of success and learning and being curious and doing better and being better. So I just want to thank you for your friendship and for paving the way. But it's people like you <laughs> that take these women and lift them up and then you launch them. So I wouldn't be here without you uh, and your support. So I, you know, when I curated this list of women, Bozema, Amanda, you, you know, I wanted each one to sort of hone in and focus on certain aspects of the book because the book is unlocking the new rules for creativity, courage, and success. So I would love to dive into creativity with you. You're incredibly creative. Uh, it looks like, as if you never stop. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what gives you creative energy. Where do you go when you just don't have it? I think as an artist, not necessarily what you do, but sometimes I'm like, I'm tapped out. I don't know where else to look. So I would love to hear how you keep your creativity or don't either one. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's funny when I'm forced to do sort of one thing, one thing only, I tap out, like I dry up, I, I'm not in, it's hard for me to be inspired just in anything in life that I have to, if I'm just like linear in anything and going through the motions, that's not for me. It's interesting because I think it's just the way that I process information. I also think it's the way that I think and I see the world. And I don't know if it's something you're born with or if it's something that can be taught. But, but for example, and, and I think this is just indicative of, of maybe partially who I am, but then also um, instead of trying to, I guess, sort of change who I am fundamentally from who I was as a child uh, and, and sort of like putting a lid on it, if anything, I think I've leaned further and further into it the older I've, I've gotten. And the more I stay connected with my child's self and intuition and creativity, I think the better I am. So just to give a little context to what I'm talking about is I was a sick kid and I grew up in the military. My dad was in the air force and he worked in personnel. So he had kind of like the, a desk job. It wasn't like a sexy pilot 
you know, in the Air Force. It was really like he, I think he worked in the IT department, which is ironic because good luck getting him to really like fix anything, especially anything electronic. Um, but he was in the IT department and personnel in the Air Force. And he had like, you know, three jobs. It was pretty like going through the motions kind of thing. And when I was a kid, I went to the local public public school, whatever they had. And it was a, you know, pretty segregated, you know, town, Del Rio, Texas. It was like the white kids and the Mexican kids. And they kept, they always put me in with the Mexican kids, which was fine if I spoke Spanish because those classes were, were completely taught in Spanish. And I just don't, I didn't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I wish I spoke Spanish, but, um, and the teachers just wouldn't listen to me. So that was like my first sort of like understanding that people are just going to do what they know. And they're going to try and fit you into this box without really caring or even being curious about the context of who you actually are. So I think that was like one of those, like, don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. That uh, lesson that I learned pretty early in life, because there's also, um, there was a lot of just inherent supremacy, like white supremacy that goes along with the privilege and, and, the, and the way that the white folks sort of like operated and, and spoke to people in the same spaces uh, that the, you know, Mexican uh, people, uh, whether they were born in America or not, they just like were treated totally different. So that was like early on one of my first experiences. And then I would say the other one is, you know, I would miss a lot of school because I was in, I was in the hospital actually a lot. I had surgeries and when I would miss school, they would give me my work. They were like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and that. Because I would actually miss school for weeks at a time from complications from my asthma. And I would get pneumonia. I had surgeries on my, uh, my appendix. And I had like a kidney thing. I mean, it was just like a good disaster. So I then just started learning the way that I learn. And I would have my science book open, my social studies book open, my math book open, all at the same time. And I just jumped from one to the other. And I ended up finishing the entire year in like the first quarter, basically of school. And it was just because like the way that I learn isn't, okay, this entire week, we're going to learn this chapter, you know, and everyone and you wait and you kind of have to, it's sort of just the way that they teach is is this very sort of linear way right this is how you're supposed to is memorize these things those are the only things that it doesn't matter if you actually if it sinks in or you understand there's no like you can't answer these questions any other other way than the way they want you to answer them um and so i would even write down the answer i knew they wanted me to answer and then the answer I wanted to answer. <laughs> um, and I would give them two answers and I would usually get like an A minus instead of an A plus because they said that it, I put in this extra work and I was like trying to prove, I guess, sort of the system wrong or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was eight. And I was like irritated. <laughs> and I just didn't sign up for the way that they wanted to teach me in, in like public school in South Texas. But it's interesting because even from that early age, it was always very difficult for me to do something just sort of like slowly and maybe methodic. I'm, I'm methodical and I'm detail oriented, but I need to do it at the pace that I do it. And I, sometimes I need to do multiple things almost 
not the same time, but like I can jump from this to this, to this, to that just keeps my brain, my brain stimulated. And then I need a break and I need to go outside and need to run around. And, you know, my favorite thing to do in Texas was to like get a pot, like piles and piles and piles of leaves. And I, there was a tree in my front yard and I just felt like in my mind, like, I know I'm going to be able to fly Like I know that I'm going to be able with my mind get myself to fly or to levitate in some way. So I'm going to launch myself off this tree and I'm putting these leaves here for landing every time the leaves never worked. I always, the hard landing, it was as if it was, I just landed on rocks every time it hurts so bad, (laughs) but that was my pastime was collecting tadpoles and jumping off of trees into piles of leaves that did not break my landing. So I don't know what it is about being a child, but I too was convinced I could fly. And if I took two umbrellas and I jumped off my house, that they would somehow carry me. That definitely did not happen. I definitely Um, tried that one as well and had a hard (laughs) landing. (laughs) So it's clear that with your struggles as a kid being sick, the challenges you faced with racism, you know, working hard, you know, you'd think that here you are, you make it as an actress, you have an enviable career. And then you say, I want to be an entrepreneur too. Let me add to this. And I know you shared with me, you know, people didn't take you seriously when you launched Honest, or they thought you were just going to slap your name on something and take an endorsement deal. And you had to convince so many people that not only did you know what you were talking about, but here you were leaning into conversations about health and children and the environment and people were just like, mm, not going to happen. And then you had your pretty, I call it your pretty uh, woman moment, you know, when you go public. Uh, if anyone in the audience is too young for pretty women, it's this amazing scene where she was, you know, thrown out of a store essentially. And she comes back later saying to the store owners, like, big mistake, big, because she really did deserve to purchase all those things. So what gave you that drive? Like, where did that come from? Do you think you were born with it? Is it because of, you know, how you struggled when you were younger or the environment you grew in? Because so many people have invitations to fail every day or have naysayers or doubters. And some of them just go, it ain't worth it. I'm out. But you had, you didn't do that. Yeah. I think it's a couple things. I, I guess, the system was never sort of set up for me, right. To be successful at all. Um, and I grew up, like I said, where I come from a culture and community that anyone who was successful and, and survived it in, you know, the context of what it is to be a successful person, uh, in America is to assimilate. Right. I guess I, I feel like I didn't want to, I wanted to be successful. I felt like just because I didn't see myself in the world and, and represented in spaces that I felt like it was important for us to be represented, it didn't mean that we didn't deserve to be there. And I guess I never got discouraged by by what was never sort of mine in the first place, right? I didn't, I don't, I've never had a, a sense of entitlement Um, like, I guess I've never felt like, I don't know, I never felt like the world owed me anything. And I never felt like someone else's journey should be mine. And yeah, I guess I, 
when you start from the bottom, you can't really go anywhere but up. I don't know. I had nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. I talk about that all the time. I literally had nothing to lose. I was sleeping on a mattress propped up with egg crates. Like there was really no bottom to be had. So if I failed, it was going to be okay. Right. Yeah. And like, I think when you come from a, a real humble sort of background and you've worked for every nook and cranny of goodness that is for you, what, what brings you happiness or what success means to you um, and what peace means to you. So if you know that you worked for something and you achieved something and it got you to this stage or that stage, it's, I, I guess for me, I, I can't forget that. Like I can't shake that. And so yeah. while other people may only come into understanding or knowing me through the experience of success, right? They have no idea the journey of what it took from me to create it. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I think that anything worth its salt is, uh, is, is going to be difficult. I think that anything that's worth anything is not going to be easy and just handed to you. And I, and frankly, I, I don't know if you would even appreciate it if all the doors were just wide open, you know, I you learned so much in the journey. Yeah, I fully agree. And I feel like because so many of us are used to some things being such instant gratification in our lives, like food delivery or your car coming, you know, <laughs> our career would be that way definitely can set us up to fail sometimes. And sometimes I have to remind myself like, oh, you don't just get to write a book and then it just magically arrives at a bookstore. You actually have nope. to spend six months selling it every day. Yes. Yes, you do. And at the end of the day, what's interesting is like even people's ideas or notions of what success looks like is it's all so different because most of the time you're not making a ton of money off of 99% of what you put your effort into, yeah. right? It's only a fraction of what you do. And it's usually not the thing that anyone really suspects is what you're making money off of. Right. But what you're putting your time and your effort into is, I think most of what you do and most of what I do is we just love doing it. Um, right. and, and I think we both feel like financial success will come, uh, in the spaces and, and open themselves up in the spaces um, where they're meant to, but not everything is 100% aligned to, this is going to be the thing that's going to make me X amount. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's not that, um, it's more holistic, I guess. Yeah, it's not linear. I think Jessica Gonzalez, who's an incredible actress, was like, I was on a TV show waiting tables. You know, she's like, you'd mm -hmm. think I'd be able to pay my rent by the TV show I was on, but I couldn't. It was my first show. Yeah. And you have to love what you do so much that if you're waiting tables or making zero dollars, that that's your North Star and mm -hmm. it'll come or it might not, but you have to love it no matter what, no matter if the yeah. money comes or not. And I thought that was so poignant when she shared that with me. Yeah. Especially when you're in doing something creative. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to really love it. I think the work really is everything else. Like what feels like work is the, you know, marketing it. Selling a couple thousand books, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
So you've been an incredible supporter of women, of families, of children, putting your values and beliefs out there when that was not necessarily something that people did. Were you ever scared when you were in the early formations of your company or when you said, we're going to stand by non-toxic products, shocker for kids or non-toxic beauty or cleaning products? Like, and people were just like, you know, you're up against the big corporations who have lots of extra money and time and lawyers. And so were you ever scared when you did this and what made you take that stand anyways? You know, to me, it's just common sense, right? And and for me, it wasn't necessarily like I don't know. I, I guess there's a bit of naivety that 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 goes into the early stages of anything. You don't know yeah. what you don't know, and I didn't feel the weight of what was I guess sort of like the weight of the marketplace and the impact we were making, and how it not wasn't just changing behaviors and opening new lanes, but forcing, I would say it's putting the consumer first and the, and the consumers even understanding that they can be proactive and they can put themselves first. I think that was like a mind shift yeah. that really wasn't put out there prior to. Because before it was just sort of like, whatever on the shelf is what I have available to me to shop or to bring into my house or to curate. And if I'm not satisfied with that, then I can go and figure out how to make my own things, potions, uh, formulas, but who has time for that? Like four people. Um, And, you know, so it's sort of like, I think by me coming out in front of this, it was the first time where I really like opened up this notion that you can put your health and wellness first and that you can make better choices. And you shouldn't ever have to compromise between uh, what works, what's going to be effective, what's actually going to do the thing that you need it to do, and then it affecting your health. You shouldn't have to choose. And oftentimes, because it just wasn't the way a lot of these companies were set up, they're set up for the economies of scale and they're set up for, the business model is just very different. And the, our business model is putting health and wellness first. So then it, it forces, I guess it would say, I think it empowered consumers to have a say in how they wanted to curate their life and then what they expect from products that they bring in their homes, what they clean their homes with, what they use on their bodies, what they use on their face. And now more and more, I, I would say, there's education and it's easy to get because of the internet. <laughs> it's easy to access information. And there's a lot of like bad information out there, but there's enough good information to let you know that there are links to what you surround yourself with, what's in your home, what's what you're putting on yourself and how it affects your health over time. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing that woke me up to all that was obviously having a kid and me like, wait, we're going to put what on this baby? Excuse me. Um, yeah. And really taking a look. And then you start peeling under the covers and you're like, oh man, everything I've been putting on my body is also really terrible. So yeah. And then you do, and then you do like a little bit that when, when they tell you, like when you are pregnant, I would say that was the first time for me, I was like, I always had allergies and asthma and things. And I think I just, again, common sense. I just eliminated things that made me sneeze. 
So I just like, it made me sneeze. I'd try something else until I tried the thing that didn't make me sneeze. It wasn't like, so, um, I guess I wasn't as like thoughtful or, or even that like intense with it. Right. It was just like, yeah, a lot of my things were of course the more natural leaning versions, but that was just cause it didn't make me sneeze, whatever right. that was, or, or make me break out. Um, and then I did have a lot of things that just it didn't exist. Right. And I was frustrated, like makeup, especially, and I was an actress. So I was putting something on my face every day that was causing me to have eczema, rashes, breakouts. And that was annoying. But when it comes to like, when you're pregnant and they say, you have to stop eating like deli meats or <laughs> like, like sushi, you kind of understand. You're like, okay, raw fish. Like I get it. But deli meats, and right. like cheese and you're, they're like unpasteurized thing. I'm like, huh? And you're like listeria. What the hell is that? And then they're like, oh, and then you have to take these pills that like make big, I, like those vitamins they give you. Yeah. The, and they're so big. And I, you know, would take vitamins, but my stomach, I get acid. I'm like, I have a sensitive stomach. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm so nauseous. Then I had to find the Terrible. more natural one that didn't make me so nauseous. So it's like the first time you're really like having to change your habits. And then when the, when you do research, you learn that all these babies have hundreds of chemicals coursing through their blood, right? Right when they're born because of what the mom, everything that you have in, on, or around you ends up going into your system in some way, shape, or form. And these little vulnerable systems are now having tons of chemicals coursing through their blood and as their bodies are developing and what is the long-term effect of that. So it does actually start with you and your health and wellness, what you're surrounding yourself with. Um, and if you are, you know, having a kid, every, all of your choices really matter. Yeah. Or even if you want to have a kid one day, your choices actually matter now, because if you, if you yeah. go under the hood of anyone tuning in, of your sink or whatever and finding all these toxic things, your body is absorbing them and it's getting in there anyways. Um, yeah, exactly. I would love to touch on failure. I think in the book, I talk about reframing how one views failure. So I say, sometimes mm -hmm. you win, sometimes you learn. And every time I failed, I have learned a lot and I've had some epic failures, which I chron a lot, which I, I don't know what the word is, which I talk about in the book. What, is a way, what have you learned from some of your failures as a creative? Gosh, it's interesting because I don't know if I really look at them as failures, to be right. honest. I reframed it. So I don't, I mean, <clears throat> it definitely feels like a failure for a second or two or a day or so. And then I'm like, what did I learn? How do I change? But some people, they fail and they're like, I'm terrible. I'll never make it. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm a loser. And they go into this like shame hole. No. Yeah, I mean, I think failure feels final. Final. Yeah. Failure feels final. And I think if you have a day where you reacted to something a certain way and you responded a certain way or you made choices, right, that had an effect that wasn't the outcome that you intended for it to be then that's just a moment for you to understand that and try not to do that one again. Right. But like, as long as you wake up every morning uh, or whenever you're, whatever, however you're waking up, 
Some people work night shifts. So some people wake up in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, I would say that if you wake up every day, then you have an opportunity to keep it moving. So I guess I would say I, I look at things that didn't pan out the way that I had intended for it to, or when I feel like blindsided, right? And I'm sort of, I feel like I'm uh, vulnerable or wounded or scrambling or, or unsteady, right? I would say it's more of like, you're here and you're doing the thing and then something sort of like, boom, and you're like, whoa, okay. Um, how, how, what, what, what is happening and how, how, what do I do? Those are moments where you really get to learn a lot about yourself and what you're made of. Yeah. And I would say it's only through those moments. Can you really kind of like course correct? Yeah. And probably make the biggest difference in your character and who you, how you're going to operate in the world. Because when things are, you know, easy and just happening, I don't know if you're always so aware of yeah. why things are flowing. I think a lot of times we only wake up when we get sort of knocked sideways. So sometimes it's just like a wake-up call, right? And, 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 it, and it could be a wake-up call for you to appreciate your life and appreciate your journey and appreciate the successes because maybe you're, you're not appreciating it enough. Or sometimes it's in your journey it's just a lesson that you haven't quite learned yet in order for you to move on to your next stage of who you need to be. Um, and so you'll continue to sort of repeat some of those really fun lessons. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. Um, and you're like, God damn it, are we back here again? Um, I thought, thought I got past this one. Okay, here we go. And I think yeah. it's just a moment for you to like, really reflect on like, what am I doing or what choices am I making that's uh, putting me in this situation time and time again, right? Yeah. And how can I, and so for me, it was like a lot of my, when I got knocked off my sort of like knocked sideways or like really knocked hard to the left or the right, it was when I really started to go to therapy and really like look inside and really try to understand my patterns and try to understand myself better. Yeah. Um, and as I grew as a person spiritually, things started to open back up Yeah. and things started to, I stopped getting knocked left and right so many times. And I started, things started to flow. Now, is it easy? No. But if you find yourself getting knocked really hard left and right, where you're like, should I even be doing this anymore? When you're that, like, when you're having that what the moment, yeah. um, that's a moment for you to really like look inside, I think, and go on some type of spiritual journey and, and figure out who you need to be for this next phase. Because whatever the hell you're doing, it's not working. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing all this. I think it's truly helpful. We have such an incredibly diverse audience today of entrepreneurs, of fans, 
of you know up and coming the next generation of up and coming talent from all of our nonprofit partners some first responders are here so nice um, yeah so thank you for joining and you're going to make a huge difference in their lives that you've already made one and you're going to continue so i'm grateful yeah, to call you friends and fellow i'll founder. say i'll say one more thing about creativity cuz i think as you know there are people who are you know, putting others first and, and that's their job, right? Um, and people who are doing things that may not always be looked at as creative. I think all problem solving, if you ever have to, if a, if a computer can't do it and it takes a human being to be there and do it, um, you are using your brain. You are using your creativity. You are connecting the dots only in the way that you know how to. And you are there for a reason. And whatever it is in life that you need to do to sort of like decompress and keep you inspired and keep you in your light, if it's singing or dancing or painting or photography or just taking walks or whatever it is, do something uh, that really brings you joy a little bit, you deserve that. Uh, just a little bit of your life. Take a couple of hours a week. Take a full day. Um, but something to, to really find your light and your joy in a way that doesn't feel um, like it's part of your job. I love that. So, it's so important. Yeah. so needed. It's soul refilling. I'll, t I'll say that, right? Anytime I can do anything creative, like you said, I feel so much better afterwards. Even if you're not good at it. <laughs> oh, I, it, it, totally. I'm a terrible dancer now that I haven't danced in 20 years, but I still feel amazing when I do it. Exactly. So, yeah. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.